Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving 2022. This is Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn. Oh, what a great holiday. My, my folks always celebrated Thanksgiving big time. In fact, Thanksgiving was the bigger holiday for our family, bigger than Christmas. Wow. And we still love Thanksgiving. Uh, we bring the family together. It's a beautiful time. Uh, we want more of the spirit of Thanksgiving in our day-to-day lives. And uh, Thanksgiving gives you just that opportunity to to share the things that you're thankful for. As Americans, of course, we can be spoiled over <laughs> all of our riches. Uh, but, you know, we need to take a moment and look at those blessings with which God has blessed us. We need to count our blessings, name them one by one. And, uh, and we're doing that as a family today. Yeah, uh, we will be doing that as well. Um, but we, we actually are going to end up celebrating you know, Thanksgiving on Saturday because that's when our family can all get together. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll still do, we'll go through everything and we'll go around the table and say what we're thankful for, but uh, we'll, we'll just delay it a little bit. I'm used to that. My dad and I were both registered nurses at the same time, and rarely did we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's on the on the actual day, but it, I mean, it, it's the spirit of celebrating It's celebrating those uh, moments, the Thanksgiving, the, you know, the Christmas time, the, the new year coming in, it doesn't matter necessarily what day we do it on. It's, it was close to that day, but we typically could get the weekend off before or after the, the actual holiday. So many reasons to be thankful, Steve. I'm thankful for the Generations Ministry. God has blessed this ministry tremendously over the last 20 years. In fact, this is the 20th year of broadcast for us. And we had another massive increase this last year. Our international influence is much greater. Uh, We have been to so many other countries to share a generational faith vision and to share our biblical worldview, God-centered curriculum to other nations and they're just eating it up because secular education is almost destroying the world. But there are Christians still in nations all over the world that want to salvage their children from that. And they are coming out of the word work. Uh, So we are seeing a massive increase in interest in our curriculum, a massive interest in the interest in the vision itself. So we're thankful for that. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my son getting married this last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm thankful for another grandchild born. Uh, in fact, two grandchildren, one towards the beginning of the year and one just a month or two ago. So that makes five. Uh, we've had just a tremendous amount of growth in terms of faith and love for one another in the home. I think my wife and I have so much more of a vibrant prayer life together. Uh, we have grown together and we've grown together in christ in the trials that we have faced and for that it's just a beautiful thing and you know our marriage is stronger than ever and we just really feel like we are the faithful and hopeful traveling together on the pilgrim pathway together and that has been a huge blessing i'm amazingly blessed by some of the most amazing elders i think the most amazing elders i've ever worked with before and to be able to have this level of fellowship, uh, this level of iron sharpening iron, mutual encouragement amongst elders in the local church, man, this is the best I've ever had. So I'm just thankful for so many different things. We're much closer as a family in some ways, partially because we've gone through so many trials together. 
Yeah, it's amazing what trials can do for you. I'm I'm thankful too. We, I have two children that uh, celebrated their first anniversary this year, uh, July and November. Uh, I think I'm going to have another uh, child uh, being engaged sometime soon to my son's wife's brother, which is uh, so we're trying to keep that in the family as well. And I feel like our family has grown a lot closer together as well. We went through some some pretty big trials over the last few years. Uh, when I sold my nursing business and hoping to start a business and, and then COVID hit and I was essentially without a paycheck for just about three years. And that really put a drain on us. Um, it was, we went some, through some really difficult times, but I had a, a friend of mine, Chris Jube, you know him, uh, 16 kids, I think it is. And he sold me his business, Monument Publishing, the uh, speech and debate curriculum and, and resource uh, company. I've had that now. Uh, he, he offered it to me in November of last year, almost to the year. I took possession of it in uh, February 1st, and things are just going really well. I'm, I've got like 18 to 20 students that I'm, uh, that I'm, uh, mentoring and coaching online and I'm, I'm just having a blast and I'm making money at it. I mean, what, <laughs> what more can you ask, you know, so do something you love to do and make money at it. That's, that's well, great. yeah, Steve, this is where your gifts are very much exercised and we want to be sure that, uh, folks know about your ministry. Is there some website or something they can go to? Yeah, it's actually uh, getting updated right now. Monumentpublishing.com is what it's going to be. Um, and it's, it is almost going live. I'm redoing all of that, but they can, uh, they can get in touch with me at, uh, support at monumentpublishing.com. And they can get in touch with me if, if, if they want to know more about what I'm doing with, uh, with speech and debate and coaching. Uh, I, I love coaching these kids. I just, uh, had, a, had a new family that they, I coached them for the first time on Monday and they said the kids loved it so much. They said, Hey mom, can we do it again on Wednesday? And so I did another one to, uh, yesterday on Wednesday and they're just looking forward to even more time. And the, and the son said, you know, Mr. Vaughn is just a great mentor. He's teaching me more than just speech and debate. Uh, I like to try to teach these kids about life in general and how they can take these tools into the next callings in life and to make a true impact for the kingdom of Christ. And folks, I'd encourage you to to connect with Steve if uh, your young folks are interested in speech and debate. Steve, an ideal mentor for that, has been involved in it for, uh, what, 15, 20 years. Uh, in fact, uh, I was there at the beginning, I'm going to say 24 to 25 years ago when we laid out the plan for a homeschool speech debate organization and debate tournament here in the state of Colorado. Steve was right there and uh, has been doing this mentorship for quite a number of years. And uh, so and again, the mentorship thing is also a very important thing that's near and dear to me. Uh, again, the full year I've been working with a number of young men uh, on a daily basis, really it's Monday through Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings that I'm involved in some level of mentorship with young men and uh, that continues. That's been going on now for me for about 15 years. And I would say that's one of the greatest delights in my life. And so many of the young men have gone on to become you know, future businessmen, Christian businessmen, Christian elders, pastors, deacons in churches. 
and I still work with a number of them. So I'd say the greatest delight in my life, or one of the greatest delights in my life, is to mentor and to be able to work in an ongoing basis with some of these young men who are now grown up. They have their own families. They've got four or five children themselves, and they continue to press on in terms of their love for the kingdom of God and their contribution to the kingdom of God. These are some of the greatest delights in my life, and I'm so thankful. This Thanksgiving, 2022, We're going to talk a little bit more about being thankful in a period of trials. That certainly was what was happening during the first Thanksgiving in 1621. I'm going to review that next on Generation. Stay with me. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year And we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we are back. On the Generations broadcast on this Thanksgiving, 2022, praise be to God. Thanks to God for all His good gifts this Thanksgiving Day. And sometimes I think we do not realize all the good things we have because we have taken them for granted. And that's why I like some of these old lyrics from folk songs in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. Here's one called Pickin' Time. I think it was from Johnny Cash. I think he maybe wrote this early on. But it gives you an idea of what life was like in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. I got cotton in the bottom land. It's up and growing. And I got a good stand. My good wife and them kids of mine. Gonna get new shoes. Come pick in time. Get new shoes. Come pick in time. Every night when I go to bed, I thank the Lord that my kids are fed. They live on beans eight days and nine, but I get them fat. Come pick in time. I get them fat, come pick in time. The corn is yellow, the beans are high, the sun is hot, the summer sky. The work is hard till laying by, laying by till picking time. It's hard to see by the coal oil light. I turn it off pretty early at night because a jug of coal oil costs a dime, but I stay up late, come picking time. I stay up late, come picking time. Meaning not enough coal oil to stay <laughs> awake past eight o'clock at night. Last Sunday morning when they passed the hat, it was still nearly empty back where I sat. But the preacher smiled and said, that's fine. The Lord will wait till picking time. The Lord will wait till picking time. So there you go. That's, yeah. you know, the way life was in the 1920s and 1930s when Johnny Cash and, you know, the typical American family was barely getting by on the farm in southern states. And I just don't think we understand that, do we? Steve. No, we are we are so blessed. And the things that we end up complaining about a lot of people around the world have no, you know, they don't even know. 
uh, what those things are. If you take a look at the difference between what was common, what was considered to be essential, even back in the 50s and 60s, you take a look at what they consider essential today. It's, the list is two or three times longer than than what it was back then. If you had clothes, you had money, you, you had you had food to eat, clothes to wear, and a place to stay. That that's really what we needed back then. And uh, so I think we've become pretty selfish. Yeah, it's the points at which you become so submerged in all your stuff. You know, almost like you're you're completely uh submerged in chocolate cream pie you know there you are like like the kids yeah. in willy wonka's factory you know just <laughs> s- s- stuffing yes. the face with candies that we just have lost the sense of gratitude thanksgiving though can occur in the midst of great trials and this is what we find with the first thanksgiving i don't think people realize what it was like that first year at plymouth colony The pilgrims were under tremendous hardship in the first winter. Half of the pilgrims died of starvation and illness. Half of them. Imagine half of your church community dying this winter. There weren't that many to start with. It's about 100 plus, just a few over 100. Yeah. At times, there were only six or seven healthy people to take care of the rest of them. Imagine that, six or seven people caring for all the sick. And according to Bradford, there, these spared no pains night or day, but with great toil and at risk of their own health, fetched wood for the fires, prepared food for the sick, made their beds, washed their infected clothes, dressed and undressed them. In a word, did all the homely and necessary services for the sick. Isn't that beautiful? A good picture of Christian charity there in the first winter in which about half of the Plymouth Plantation passed away. And some days, three to four were dying at a time. But then come the next fall, in the fall of 1621, the pilgrims gathered for a time of thanksgiving, inviting the local natives to join them in the celebration. The historical gathering came to be known as the first Thanksgiving, the exact date not known, but probably in late September or early October. William Bradford asked Squanto to bring Massasoit, the tribe leader, and his other companions to join them for the feast. William's fellow pilgrim, Edward Winslow, described the first Thanksgiving at a time of feasting and celebration similar to English harvest festivals, complete with food, ale, and games. Massasoit and a hundred other natives arrived, bringing five freshly killed deer to share. The pilgrims and Indians together enjoyed a great feast of plenty, including deer, duck, wild turkey, corn, squash, beans, barley, and beer. (laughs) No apologies. For the beer, but that's what they drank. It was something of a healthy liquid in a time in which it was hard to find orange juice at your late, you know, Safeway store down the street. Yeah, they were closed on Thanksgiving. By God's mercy, the colony had survived through much hardship. Edward Winslow, in a letter, wrote to his friends in England, explained, although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from need, we often wish you partakers of our plenty. And, and that's the way the, the first Thanksgiving went just after the first harvest upon the first year that the pilgrims made it to America. Well, friends, that's the story. You can read it in American Faith, 27 sketches from Winthrop to Wilkerson. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite book produced by the Generations Curriculum Project. So American Faith, 27 sketches from Winthrop 
to Wilkerson and you'll get the story of Bradford and the Pilgrims in that classic book on 27 sketches of Christian faith in American history. Steve, we need to be able to recognize the goodness of God in the midst of our trials. That's really key, isn't it? Yes, it is. And when I when I went through, you know, three years without a paycheck and that I was still thankful because we did have some you know, we had some stuff stored up. I had some things that I could sell and uh, in order to get by, but really we knew that God was going to see us through. God is always faithful even when we're faithless. And so even during those Thanksgiving times, uh, we still were thankful for our family. We were thankful for our friends. We were thankful for God's goodness to us. And we need to learn that. We we get built up through adversity. That's why James 1 says to consider it joy when you face these trials, when you face difficulties, because by getting through those and asking God for wisdom, you end up maturing gaining endurance and perseverance in the faith. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to grow in faith as believers? The only way that you can do that, though, is through adversity. And so we need to be thankful for the trials that we have. Mm. And I want to provide 10 reasons why we can praise God for his goodness in the fire on this Thanksgiving day. So let me just hit these 10 reasons why we can praise God even in the midst of trial. First is we may be hit by the shrapnel in a fallen world that faces the judgment of God and uh, the evil that comes in a sinful world. But for us, there is a fourth man in the fire, as there was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There is always the fourth man in the fire. Listen to Isaiah 43 and verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. You shall not have the flame scorch you. That is, you will know the presence of God in the fire. You'll know his peace in the storm. You'll know his joy in the tragedy of your life. Number two, second reason why we can rejoice and why we can be thankful, even in trial, and that is our suffering is a microcosm of the suffering of Christ and fellowship in the suffering of Christ. How can this be good? Well, we are inducted into the suffering of Christ. We take up the cross daily and follow him. We experience his humiliation, and we follow him into exaltation. So we're following Jesus in this, and that itself is a privilege for us. Number three, we must believe Romans 8.28, and what is that? But that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Now, we always want to ask the question why this is happening to us, but sometimes we don't get the answer. We'll never know the billions of reasons why things happen. But one thing we can know for sure is that eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who wait upon him. That is, the sufferings of this present world not worthy to be prepared with the glory that awaits us. So we know that God is good. And he will be sure that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the good that will be produced and the good that will come later on. All things work together for good, and it will be worth it by and by, and we will know that for sure. Number four, it is God's will that we suffer, and God is bringing about the ultimate good for us. The the will of God is operating. Granted, there are bad people that do bad things to us. The devil 
sets out to do bad things to us, but God is always working through it. God's plan is ultimately wise and ultimately good, and we are not devastated because life does not meet our expectations. We are not the ones to predestine the way that our lives are going to go. We are just confident that His ways are above our ways, and they are the ultimate good for us. We can have confidence in that because God is ultimately wise, ultimately good, ultimately sovereign, and He can pull it off for us. Okay, number five, fifth reason why we can be thankful and we can be we can be hopeful in the midst of trial is that uh, this is the way that we win. This is the grand modus operandi. This is the way it works. That we, we, we will know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Yes, we must die to be resurrected. We will be lambs to the slaughter, yet still more than conquerors through him who loved us. And it is, as it turns out, in these things, in tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So this is how we win. We win by humiliation. We win by the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. That's the modus operandi that God brings to pass in our lives as well as in redemptive history. Think about this. The worst day, the darkest day in the history of the world turned out to be the best day according to the plan and purpose of God when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the worst day of my life will turn out to be the best day because God is working through these things for my benefit. Number six, fiery trials also test the amazing potency, the robustness, the authenticity, and the steadfastness of God's love for us. There's something about trials that further establishes in our minds the love of God for us. We, we furthermore know that we are loved and preserved through the most harrowing and crushing trials of our lives, and that itself becomes a great comfort to us. As in Romans 8.35, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? These are the things that test God's love for us. It's almost like a stress test for God's love for us. But we are persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That love of God is stronger than steel, stronger than all the demons in hell, stronger than all the persecuting forces of the powers of darkness. The love of God will come through for us, and that will be an immense encouragement to us. Number seven, trials wake us up to spiritual realities when nothing else will. Hey, judgment begins in the household of God, but it is the mercy of God to wake us up. It becomes the precursor to revival in our lives. Then number eight, eighth reason why we can rejoice in tribulation is that trials test our faith. And Trials will grow our faith, and there's nothing better than that for us on planet Earth. First Peter chapter 1 says, We greatly rejoice over this, though now for a little while grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So your trials will make for you 
faith, and faith is gold, and faith has a value as gold has a value. Number nine, these trials also seal our commitment to the life that is to come. We find this world less and less attractive. We overcome by the word of our testimony and that we do not love our lives unto death. And that itself is the hope of our salvation. We, we have so much hope in what is to come, and we don't place our value, our, we don't place all of our, our marbles here or put all these eggs, all the eggs in this basket, but we are looking forward to a heaven beyond. We're not devastated to lose our lives here because that's an investment for that life that is to come. We, we, we find this to be a good deal. We expect to lose our life here, the thing we cannot keep to gain that life which we cannot lose. And then finally, number 10, by God's chastisements, by these sufferings he brings, God kills sin in our lives. And I just say good riddance to that. (laughs) The last thing I need is my sin to continue to dog my heels, much like an insane chihuahua constantly biting on me. I don't need my sin in my life. And uh, God uses these trials and tribulations to rid me of these sins. And that, my friends, is a value to me. We want an end to deception, to hypocrisies in our own lives, and of course, in institutions around us as well. So let me end with this. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. And friends, Amen. that is another reason to praise God and to thank him on this Thanksgiving Day 2022. Well, you've been listening to the Generations Broadcast. Happy Thanksgiving, my friends, and please join us again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.